Oh, hello there. Quick question for you. Does taking a great brand or product photo feel like a code you simply can't crack? Do you want to give up trying to create visual assets for your business before you've even started? Well, you're about to discover the secrets to taking powerful brand and product photos while strategically sharing them in a way that will serve your bottom line without adding hours of learning to your already packed up calendar. If you're a business owner, maker, influencer, or affiliate marketer, you already know that showing up online with beautiful imagery is super important. That's why I created this free online training especially for you to level up your brand and create the kind of imagery that catches the eye of your customer, the kind of imagery you can be proud of. During this retraining, you will learn my four-step framework for taking brand and product photos that will help you improve your sales and attract more customers without being salesy. You will also learn the top four mistakes most people make with brand and product photos and why these mistakes are costing them major profits. So, are you ready to up-level your visual brand assets? I thought so. For a limited time only, grab your seat for my free training at kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. That's kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. I am so excited to be your teacher and I'll see you in class. Today, I am sitting down with my new friend, Aaron Trafford, to talk about all things online business, such as making money from your blog, influencer and affiliate marketing, and how you can earn passive income in your own business. You know, the kind of money that you can make while you rest. Aaron is an award-winning broadcaster and digital content strategist specializing in brand affiliation and influencer marketing. Aaron is a wife, mom, and animal lover who runs a multiple six-figure online business from the comforts of her Halifax home. And guess what? She does all of this by working just three days per week. Did that get your attention? I thought it might. Erin is a firm believer that you do not need 10,000 followers on Instagram to run a highly profitable influencer business. And in today's episode, we are diving into all of that and what you need to be doing with your online strategy if making money from your content is a revenue stream that you'd like to add for yourself. You guys, this episode is jam-packed with amazing information and insight that I hope will inspire you and help you to realize that you simply don't need celebrity status to make money from what you are posting online. And the most important thing that you should be doing if this is something you want, well, today, Erin is going to tell you. Are you ready for this one? You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Erin. I am so excited to have you on the show. You probably don't know this, but I've actually been kind of creeping you a lot lately because you're kind of a big deal on the internet. And this is so cool. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, you know how many people tell me that they creep me? It's like, it's okay. It's totally fine. I invite you to creep me. That's all good. 
Yeah, I guess in your case, it's more or less like mission accomplished, right? Because your whole goal is to get eyeballs on your online assets. And we're going to get to that. So Aaron, so many of us already know you as the boss behind DIY passion. But why don't you tell us about who Aaron Trafford is in your own words, what your entrepreneurial journey has been like and where it led you to? Yeah, for sure. So I'm kind of at a point in my life where like DIY passion was my lifestyle brand. And now I have essentially two companies, both digital and online. So I still run DIY Passion, but I have a team that runs that one. But if I were going to take you back all the way to the beginning, in a nutshell, I mean, I'm a broadcast journalist. That's what I do. 16 years on air in cities across country. So both television and radio. And it's funny because I started my radio career as a morning show host in 2006. So it was in my mid-20s they kind of gave me the keys to the station, which is like, like both figuratively and literally, which is kind of unheard of now for someone so young. And I was given basically the run of the place. So I was able to do basically whatever I wanted. And what I learned in that time, first of all, we skyrocketed the station to number one in the market within eight months. And what I learned is that if you're going to do that, it's all about connecting with people. And it's all about the way that your content resonates with those people. I was too young to actually realize that at the time, (laughs) what I was actually doing. And, you know, fast forward a bit and I moved up through the industry. I won a bunch of awards. I ended up on television, hosting the news, hosting the morning shows. And, you know, at some point I just realized that I didn't want to be part of the machine anymore, that I had kind of learned what I needed to learn. I always felt like there was this other part of me that was, there was like a tension between my knowledge that I could tell great stories, create great content, and that I was stuck in this corporate machine that was forcing me into a box. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you can appreciate this. So this would have been around, I don't know, I think I started really tapping into those feelings around 2013. And the digital train was common, right? Like it was going to change the news business. I could see it coming. It was going to eliminate jobs. And if it wasn't going to eliminate jobs, it was going to change the way storytelling was done. And I stopped trusting that machine that I had been part of for so long. So in the background of all of this, I had started DIY Passion in complete secret because I was under contract Mm -hmm. with my company to not put my name on any other assets. Like they owned my face. They owned my voice. They owned my actual name. Like it was like Aaron Trafford TM owned by big conglomerate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I wasn't allowed to do it. And in 2013, I kind of just said, you know what? Like I don't need this machine to be successful. I can break the mold do it on my own. So that was the year that I did have a little honeymoon phase where I took another job in the digital world because I thought I needed to understand it a little more. Mm-hmm. Lasted about 18 months. But that's when I took my own content company. Basically, like I went all in and I've been that way ever since. Amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like what what that <laughs> looks like? You run a content company. I yeah. don't think I don't think most listeners would really know what that is or what that looks like day to day. I'm just going to be honest with you. Some day to day, I don't even sometimes know what that that is. So so effectively what has happened since I launched DIY Passion in 2012, 2013 is it now runs itself. So I make money off of that website now with very little effort. And Mm. what that allowed me to do was start AaronTrafford.com, where to your point, I teach people how to do that. So Mm -hmm. those are the two branches of my company. Content takes 
a complete, like a lot of people look at it as it's like blog posts or it's Instagram feeds or people have a really kind of narrow understanding of what content is and what it can do for you. Mm -hmm. And so because of my background as a literal professional observer, professional storyteller, my understanding of content has always been really holistic. So that's how I approach my company, right? Like it's more than just blog posts. It's the strategy behind how your content rolls out and how it creates action or reaction in the people that you're touching. So different kinds of content have different powers to create different environments, I guess. So like the news, especially in the situation right now where we're, you know, in a pandemic lockdown, the Mm -hmm. news is creating anxiety for a lot of people because of the way that it's being presented. There are other ways of creating content that create different kinds of reactions. So if Mm -hmm. you want to sell something, if you want to make somebody remember you, if you want to make somebody trust you, there are different paths to take. So that's, that's kind of what I do. Like that's like my holistic woo woo ism. I love all of that. You are so (laughs) brilliant. And I, so first of all, I think that probably a lot of listeners ears have perked up when they heard passive income off of your website. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I know I took a little quiz that you have online and I learned that from my website, I could be making $300 a month. And I love the way you put it because after I took the quiz, I got a little email that said $300 a month. That's a couple of pairs of shoes. That's (laughs) that's maybe a car payment depending on what you drive. And it just, it really resonated with me. I was like, yeah, it is a couple of pairs of shoes a month. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. A lot of people ask me that. So in the courses and programs that I teach, I always talk about having a blend of active and passive income. So definition, passive income is something that you do once, but you get paid for multiple times. That's effectively the broad strokes definition. Examples of that in the digital world, the most passive form of income is display ads because Mm -hmm. you create a piece of content, you throw up a display ad, you let the content do its thing and you keep racking up At the beginning, it's cents, and then it turns to dollars, and then it turns to hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. Then you have some affiliate sales, which are kind of like a little blend of passive and active. But it's funny that you say that about the shoes, because when I wrote that quiz response, when I was first building DIY Passion, honestly, I wanted to make enough money to have the best shoes. Like that was my goal. And then I was like, okay, like I'm making this like few extra hundred dollars a month. What can I do next? And the next one, the next level for me was I want to pay our mortgage and like our mortgage, our utilities and our insurance. Like it was like, I'm writing about our house and our home. So I felt like I could reasonably tie the goal to, okay, well then if I'm doing that, it should pay for our home. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then within a year I had been making enough to achieve that. And so then I just kept exponentially increasing the load on my content. So, okay, I did that. What else can I get my content to do for me? Okay. Can I get my content to pay me $50,000 a year? Because I felt like in the Canadian market and in where we live, if I could hit 50 grand a year, okay, I could maybe justify like living lean and then going full time. And I hit that within like not a lot of time. And then it was like, okay, I'm taking this to six figures. Like this is what I'm doing. And the funny thing is, is that I'm not doing anything differently. I'm just doing things more strategically. Mm-hmm. I love so, it. Yeah. Now I have lots of shoes <laughs> <laughs> and I pay for my house. And 
Yeah, it's so it's magical when you kind of break the box of what content is. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X, and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. Okay. I heard you say six figures. I love that. And I love that we're going to get into you sharing with us the strategy that it took to get you there as well. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know what those beginning stages looked like for you. Like when you were thinking, okay, I want to have nicer shoes. I want to be able to pay the bills. Like what roadblocks or barriers did you, were you presented with during those early stages? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, and this is where, when you told me you were going to ask me this, I was like, jeepers, this is going to go deep. So how deep do you want to (laughs) go? I think, well, if we could take it back to my beginning. So because I was, I was weaned as a woman in a man's world, right? Like my first gig on the air, I was 16. I was in Toronto. I was in a newsroom of all men. All my mentors were men. Well, with the exception of a few select female mentors who are still in my life, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I think what it really took was me, this is so woo-woo, but like tapping into the fact that, yes, I was writing about home and lifestyle and paint and sawdust and sometimes craft stuff. And that's typically seen as an extremely feminine thing. And it's seen as superfluous, but that... I had to get over that that meant it wasn't valuable. Like Mm -hmm. I had to get through that block that what I had to say that my story wasn't worth X number of dollars. And to be perfectly honest, as I'm continuing to build my company, that's a block that I continue to come up against that I work through every single day, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you have to believe that you and your story and what you have to offer are worth it. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other blocks I came up against were rather practical were that because this was initially like a side hustle, kind of let's see what I can do that I didn't have to invest in order to grow. Because as soon as I started investing, my growth skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It does. And I don't regret little things. Like in the beginning, I was like, I'm not paying $50 for that app. That's going to mean that I don't have to push a mouse button 12,000 times. Like I wouldn't spend the 50 bucks. And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> Spend the 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. So a lot of it was just getting over myself and being real about this is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is a legitimate way to make money. This is a legitimate piece of content. And if I could go back to the woo-woo thing too, it was stopping referring to myself as a journalist because I think too, that was hurting me going forward because I felt I always had to have this that was putting me in a box. Mm-hmm. So I had to just say like, okay, I'm not that anymore. I'm just me. I'm just me creating content, building my company the way that I feel aligned with building it. 
Mm-hmm. And then the I money love- just started rolling. It did. I love that. And I don't regret asking you that question at all. <laughs> Thanks for getting a little vulnerable there with me. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like a tough yeah. So here's what I want to know now, since we're on the vulnerable train, because by nature, your business is very much out there for the public eye to see. And anyone mm-hmm. who's gone there knows that what comes with that is also a little bit of scrutiny. And suddenly you're open to, you've just opened shop for anyone to criticize you. And that's a really tough thing to deal with. I know I deal with that a little bit myself. I struggle with it daily. So I want to know if you've ever had to deal with negative comments or doubt from others with respect to your work. And if so, how do you overcome that? So I, I think... I would back end that question and say that I firmly believe your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I see a lot of other content creators talking about having haters or attracting negative comments. And if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I can't remember the last negative comment I got. Mm -hmm. I can't. And I think that's part of the way I present myself because I don't ever... I really work hard to present myself as never questioning my own value. And so then I think the people who are in my vortex, they just don't question my value either. Mm -hmm. And that's something I had to learn. And I mean, when I was a female newscaster, yes, I got completely raked over the coals for things that my male counterparts would never had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Things like my hair, my lipstick was too bright, my, I don't know, they don't like my blouse, like crap like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've dealt with a lot of that and just kind of whatever. But for me, the <laughs> I had a little bit of a misstart when I, and I tell this candidly, I'll speak about this candidly all the time. So when I decided to go even further into teaching what I do and to allowing this knowledge to be shared with other women, because I do feel that women are very well suited to running content businesses. I just do. I initially had so much doubt that I entered a partnership. And I think looking back, that was me doubting myself. I didn't think I could do it on my own. So I was in a partnership. It was very public. We had a huge podcast. It was very, very public. And it was very much my brand was this partnership. And I remember the day that I decided it was the wrong thing was the day that within the confines of that safe place, my value was questioned as to whether I could show up fully to hit the targets. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, like I don't need to be subject to this anymore. I can stand on my own. Mm -hmm. So I think the criticism can come in multiple forms, right? Like you can invite criticism into your life by the audience you attract. You can also invite criticism into your life by the structures that you put around your own business. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I made that sound like that dissolved in acrimony and it did not. It dissolved amicably and everything was fine. And, but it was that moment where I realized that, like, holy crap, like I formed a partnership because I didn't believe enough in myself. It was the critical voice in my own head that was worse than anything else. And when I kind of faced that beast, it was like, okay, so I have an option here. I can sit here and feel miserable and feel undervalued constantly because that's the vibe I'm attracting. Mm -hmm. Or I can slay the beast and brush myself off and see what happens. And that's you know, (laughs) that's what built my second company up to another six figures in a year, right? So the criticism is like a point of what what is that book? The obstacle is the way like when Mm -hmm. you get those people who criticize you, there's actually so much truth there. But sometimes we're so blinded by the emotion that we don't understand what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I do. I love that. And I think what needs to be said here is that there's a whole lot of heavy lifting with mindset for you, you oh, know, to yeah. get to this point. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been huge because I'm my own worst enemy, right? We all are, I think, <laughs> right? Like it needs to be said, we all are the person that stands in our own way in many ways. Yeah. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. So is there anything that you would have done differently in that startup phase when you were there? Yeah, I probably would not have entered the partnership. Mm. I probably mm-hmm. would have just tried to have the lady balls enough to be like, I got this. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I've built a six-figure blog. I've worked with national and international brands. I've been a keynote speaker. I'm a award-winning journalist. I got this. I don't need yeah. somebody else propping me up. Right. Obviously, fully capable. Yeah. Amazing. So on that note, if you could dream up some tips and tidbits for listeners, pieces of advice for people who are chasing that content dream that you have, what would it be? Just start. So the number one, there's two fears that my clients typically deal with, and they both relate to starting. Number one is technology, which it's like, that's kind of, that's a slay the beast. That's an easy slay the beast because you can either learn to do it and realize it's not that hard or you can pay someone to do it. So that's where I come to. Sometimes it pays to just invest, like hire the developer to set up your website and then give you a walkthrough on how to use it. Done. You're over the hump. Let's move on, right? Or take a course, learn how to do it, ask the questions, be self-sufficient, which is always kind of the route that I recommend. When it comes to tech, women, we have to stop being afraid of pushing the buttons. You cannot break the internet. (laughs) You can't break it. It's not going to break if you push the wrong button. So worst case scenario, there just isn't one, right? And so usually the feedback I get, I just got a note this morning actually from a client who was terrified to start her own website. And she just wrote me this long note being like, I don't know why I was so afraid. It's like, right, just start. You're fine. So then the other fear is judgment. So it's like, oh my gosh, if I start doing this and I start putting myself out there or I start to sculpt my own brand and use content to do this, what are my neighbors going to think? What is my sister-in-law going to think? What is my family going to say They don't understand what I'm trying to do. And to that, I say, who cares, right? Like, imagine the day, like, I remember the day. My parents have no idea how I make money. They have no idea what I do. And I remember the day that I was able to say, mom, I just paid off my car with the money from my blog. And she was like, what? That was the moment. So I just waited for my moment to be like, this is what I've done. I don't fear your judgment because now I can speak your language. So I think those are the two big, the two big things really that lead to one thing, which is just start. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. you're you can't do anything without starting. Yeah. And to flip that on its head a little bit, because I love the way you put that, because one of the, I think one of the roadblocks for many people is like, what will people think of me? Yeah. You know, I have this title now, and am I going to throw that away to do this thing that people don't understand? Well, in your situation, it would have cost you a couple, like $2 million businesses. So what is it worth to people? Like, is it worth that to you? Is it worth not starting a million dollar empire just so that other people can understand what it is that you do? If you look at it that way? Probably not. I'm going to use that in my next newsletter. I'm feeling <laughs> that. Because I think in this climate too, which I know that this podcast is going to outlive this pandemic, God willing, but in the climate that we're in now, I'm kind of in that like, honey badger, don't give an F anymore. Like we have to be there for all of these. You know, the last stat I read was like a million Canadians have been laid off. I don't know how many Americans. And it's like, you have to sit there and take stock of like, okay, what is it worth to me to keep going to this job that I hate or that I subconsciously hate? And I don't actually, I won't even be truthful with myself about that I don't like it or I don't like the dynamic. What am I risking by not starting something? And let's be clear, starting something is starting small. You don't have to like quit your job and be like, I'm going to be a content creator forever starting tomorrow because that's not realistic either. But it's the people that sit there and say like, and I t- Kelly, I get DMs like if I get one a day, like I I probably get two or three a day DMs from people who say, have this idea and I really want to, but, 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 but. And now I'm like, well, this pandemic is just, it's wiping out the butts, right? Like you don't have any reason to say but to me anymore because you're sitting there on your butt watching the world go to pot. What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to judge you for starting something new in this climate. So let's take this sense of urgency, this sense of collective energy shift and try like nothing you can't break the internet Mm -hmm. you're not ralph (laughs) (laughs) right you're right exactly we both have kids right (laughs) yes i just find yeah and then once you start like the energy just keeps going it's just exponential Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing and i think in many ways this pandemic has propelled us into the inevitable, right? I'm just thinking about how many businesses have been sitting on the idea that they need to move online and then this happens and they're like, okay, I can't sit on this anymore. It needs to happen today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. So I'm wondering what tactical tips you have for people. So just start. Yes. Like get over yourself, get past the butts, you know, get over what Aunt Bertha thinks about you starting this business. And now you're ready to do it. What now? So I think practically you need to understand what your options are for making money right away. So Mm -hmm. there are three options. Um, We talked about passive and active, but really they fall into three buckets. So it's like two plus three. Passive would be display ads. And then I mentioned affiliate sales, which we can talk a little bit about if we have time. But the third big one, which is what a lot of people come to because it truly is one of my secret sauces is brand sponsorships. You see it a lot on Instagram, see it a little bit on Facebook, a lot through the blogosphere. We're in a really cool time for sponsorship revenue, pandemic notwithstanding, because a lot of brands, especially in North America, are shifting from the traditional sponsored post, which would be, I'm going to show you this eyeshadow on Instagram, and then I'm going to put hashtag sponsored and a link and you can go buy it, to what is now being referred to as branded content. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a blend between 
influencer marketing, which is now becoming old school, digital advertising, which will always be there. That's basically like a television commercial pushed through digital channels. There's this beautiful space between, which is much more rooted in personality. It's much more rooted in storytelling. It's much more rooted in creating the no like trust factor for both the content creator and the brand. So examples of that are things like long form blog series, omni-channel approaches to talking about a brand. So different content about the brand on your Instagram versus on your Facebook versus on your blog versus your podcast versus your YouTube. It is much more of an, a content ecosystem. And what I'm noticing when I talk to my brand partners and those people who I deal with regularly who work in agencies is that that's becoming a more acceptable approach. So for content creators to be in a power position and to be in a profit position, you have to understand how to leverage this new ecosystem to make money. But let me tell you, when you do, the dollars are there, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're into the five-figure, easily five-figure sponsorship deal if you can structure that deal in a way that serves the brand. So there's a lot of options to learn how to make money with content. And you don't need all the buckets, but you kind of want to understand all the buckets so you can kind of push and pull as you see fit. Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a Tonic site. Until I discovered Tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my Tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable, they're code-free, and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today, I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%, that's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. Okay. Well, let's see if we can dig into that just a little bit because yeah. again, I'm sure listeners are like, okay, wait, I need to know more about how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So which, is there something particular? Like I can talk all day, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with like somebody who's thinking, okay, I want to get into affiliate marketing a little bit, mm. but so far I've only been using Instagram, you know, to post personal things. What do I do? So affiliate marketing is powerful because it does somewhat rely on a no like trust factor. So I do like using, I mean, I don't use Instagram for affiliate marketing at all, but I still make, I don't make that much. I think I, I think I make about a thousand bucks a month on affiliate marketing. Like it's, it's not a huge amount of money, but for someone it might be. And I do that just through my website. Mm -hmm. So every blog post I have, I optimize with affiliate links. If it's a tutorial, the supply list will be full of affiliate links. If it is a room makeover, like this room I'm sitting in right now, the room tour was all affiliate links. So what that does is it gives me this piece of content that I can continuously refer to that is just chock full of revenue potential. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a concrete example. So this is my 
new office space. It used to be a porch. So last year, this was my big, big, big DIY project for my lifestyle blog. We blew out the walls. We put in a beam. We put in the windows, blah, blah, blah. It was like this big, long form thing. Captured it on the blog as an actual how-to. Logged it on Instagram as like a day-to-day paint in my hair Like, this is exhausting. Mm -hmm. Did it on Facebook as a few Facebook lives with some of the experts that we had come in. So like the engineer and the flooring guy and this and that. And now a year later, and sorry, and I got paid to do it because I had it sponsored. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was getting paid to do all those things. So now a year later, all of those how-to blog posts are killing it on Google. They're killing it on Pinterest. So I'm making passive income from the ads. I'm making passive income when people search the post, read the post, click on the link to buy my office chair. But also when I do my Insta stories in my office or I post a photo like I did yesterday in my office, I'll get questions and people will say, oh my goodness, I love that flower pot or I love your ottoman or where'd you get your rug? I point them to the blog post. So it creates this nice little circle of affiliate potential. Mm-hmm. And that's, so it's very strategic. That's my point. It's like when I created the content, I was like, okay, how am I going to do this in the most efficient way to make get the most bang for my buck? Mm-hmm. A lot of people get stuck just on that Instagram train where all they're doing is posting photo after photo, after photo, after photo, after photo. And if they don't keep showing up, the revenue dries up. Mm-hmm. So the way I approach it is like, well, I don't want to post on Instagram every damn day. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like I want to yeah. still be making money in the background. How can yeah. I make this one piece of content, this one room keep paying me for a very long time? Right. And it probably starts with something like somebody asking you things like that. Hey, where'd you get your rug? Where'd you get your clock? And then you took it to the next level and built the infrastructure to mm-hmm. have affiliate links so that you're not just saying, oh, I grabbed it at Target. Instead, you're saying, look here. And then when they click the link, you're getting a little commission off of that. And that was a long-term learning thing too, right? So now when I build blog series, I don't even ask questions. I just know how to do it. So we're doing our kitchen right now, case in point, which is craziness. It's so much harder to do a kitchen than any other room in the house. But this one is, I mean, and I've pushed the envelope even further with this. Like this was probably the biggest branded ecosystem I've ever, ever built in the history of my career. But all of that strategic know-how went into that. So I'm excited to see how it plays out and to see what learnings I have because I've already gleaned some things that even I didn't know from this giant process. It's like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I love it. So when you're getting these deals, are you actively pitching? Are you now in a position where they're coming to you because you've already proven your success with this type of marketing? So There are a few phases. In the beginning, it is active pitching and that I always recommend doing that for the first year because it's a muscle. You have to develop the muscle. Then I usually find that depending on your growth trajectory and where you put your energy, it'll be a blend of active pitching and deals coming to you. We're also forgetting a key (laughs) component in there is there is also a negotiation that has to happen. So Mm -hmm. you also have to learn how to negotiate by putting yourself in the brand's shoes. So that's something that I teach and I consult on and I help because my goal is to get the brand what they need, but also get you your worth, right? I'm now in the phase where I have only returning clients. So I'm not pitching anymore because I don't have to. And 
I only work with like three, maybe four brands a year now, where I used to probably work with 10 or 12. I mean, it's a nice spot to be in. So I have like personal relationships with the national brand. Now, I will say a little tidbit is if you can work directly with the brand itself, you generally will make more money and have less hassle. Well, yeah. that makes sense. You're going to cut out the middle guy. <laughs> um, so, okay, this is all so very interesting to me. And I love that I heard you say at one point that the most important thing in this whole scenario is eyeballs on your content. Mm. Because really, without that, it's not worth anything to anybody, you or the brand or anybody. So what advice do you have for people getting eyeballs on their content as at least a starting point? So not all eyeballs are worth the same amount. That's, I always say that. So eyeballs are like, you want like the pretty Kardashian eyelash eyeballs, the ones that are like going to be all googly for you, right? Like if you have a million just kind of people looking at your stuff and you can't do anything with it, it's useless. And I know we've heard this, like that's it's like a trope. It's like, it doesn't matter about the followers, it's the engagement, but it's, it's so, so true. So, and a lot of the people I work with in my beginner programs really are at those beginner phases. So they'll have like a thousand or fewer followers on Instagram. Their blog page views will be less than 10,000 a month. What it is, is in articulating how those eyeballs work for brands, that is what's going to get you ahead. To get the eyeballs though, I always say, I like them to focus on the content, the quality of the content and the strategy behind it. So start with a solid foundation, understand SEO and Pinterest, because if you understand it from the beginning, you can invest, you know, a decent percentage of your time in those long-term growth strategies. Mm -hmm. I have posts that are still viral on Pinterest seven years later. Mm. So if you're building, like you want to understand why you shouldn't just be chasing the shiny Instagram follower, you should also be spending 30 to 40% of your time on those foundational long-term pieces. Because like I said, not all eyeballs are equal. Some will pay you over the long-term. Some will pay you in the short-term. Some will pay you multiple times. Some will pay you only one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's really it's not as cut and dry as just saying like it's the quality over the quantity it really is the type of audience you're attracting to mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and obviously you want the type of audience that's going to show up with the dollar bills <laughs> yeah but then it's like how are you going to make those dollar bills so you know are you going to start selling digital products because if you're going to start doing that then your strategy will have to be slightly different because you will have to put some sort of sales content out there. And Mm -hmm. if you've never done that before, and if all you've done is just show pretty pictures of your face on Instagram, and then all of a sudden you're like, buy my thing, it's not going to resonate. Right? They're not going to buy your thing. Right. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. I've always thought of Instagram as a place to 
get people to know, like, and trust you. And then usually the transaction happens away from there. So I think of Instagram as the place where I can get people into my email list or, you know, start to cultivate maybe a little bit of a deeper relationship and start to weed out kind of, like you said, the eyeballs that pay versus the eyeballs that don't pay type thing. And that I found that's worked well for me. But I love that you mentioned Pinterest because up until a few months ago, I didn't realize how powerful Pinterest was. And one of my friends, Ingrid, who is a mutual friend of ours, Mm -hmm. uh, mentioned to me, she's like, you know, you've got some good content on your website. You should probably be using Pinterest. And I thought, wait, isn't that just for recipes? What? And so I actually hired a VA to help with my Pinterest. And it's my lead source of web traffic right now. Yeah, that does not surprise me at all. Like I was going to actually ask you if you were on Pinterest. It's it is the most misunderstood yet most powerful platform for content creators. I mean, depends on niche. Some people I do say don't bother, but in 80% of the people I work with usually end up going down the Pinterest rabbit hole and then a couple weeks later I'll get a Slack message from one of them being like, "Oh my god, I got like 50,000 views on this one thing." And it's like, "Yeah, That's what happens when you do Pinterest. (laughs) Yeah, it is a very underrated platform. You're 100% right. And I'm definitely going to do a whole episode that's just dedicated to Pinterest because I think it deserves its own episode for sure. Completely. Yeah. So Erin, you have a lead magnet. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I'm going to make sure that I add that to the show notes as well. So that people can get into it. Yeah. So you already mentioned my super fun quiz, which is just, it's kind of fun. But if you take the quiz, you will end up like in my newsletter funnel, which is where you'll get all of the other goodies and like webinars and free classes that I do. I do a lot of free stuff because I just like it. So if I'm feeling givey, I'll just put a web class together and it'll go out to my newsletter. If you can come, you can come. So that's where I give all my juice. But the other one that I have that is super popular for newbies is my Trello planner. So I like to visualize my content as a map. So this is based on how I run my group programs, how I run my launch programs. I took pieces of each and put it together in a free resource. So it walks you through from beginning to week four of launching your thing. So your blog, your website, your branded website. Because I do think all of, there's a lot of lead magnets out there that are like five hours to launch your blog. And I'm like, that's five hours to give you an aneurysm. Like it should take (laughs) you longer than five hours. It should take you about a month of like really just living your life and then working. Like I don't want you to be overwhelmed. So I made it be a month. But within the month, there are like five free workbooks. There are some social media templates. It's a pretty juicy freebie. So that's on my website right now, right on the homepage. Amazing. And we'll make sure we link that to the show notes for this episode. And also we'll link the quiz too, because that's super fun. I think that everybody should give that a whirl. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Amazing. So why don't you tell us, like sort of send listeners off with like, what's one thing that they can do when they're finished listening to this episode and they're feeling very inspired by you and how you make a living? What's one thing that they can do to get move the needle closer to building their own content empire? Besides just starting, <laughs> I would say, and I like may- starting with what? Maybe that's, maybe that's yeah, a better I question. Think what you, should I they think do? You, you should start with owning, owning your website. So if you are on WordPress or Squarespace, usually are the two that I recommend the most. And if you have doubts, just buy your name. So I bought AaronTrafford.com. I've owned it forever. I didn't use it until recently, but that's a really great place to start. It'll just get you into motion. The other thing I would say is just like, follow me on Instagram and DM me. 
and let me like, tell me what you're doing. Tell me what's going on in your life. I may shoot myself in the foot for saying that because I'll probably get inundated with DMs, but that's totally fine. Like I devote a good hour of my day every day to responding to DMs. So if you want to get started, just send me a message and what you're thinking and I'll point you in the right direction, if anything. That sounds amazing. And yeah. I'm sure that everybody has a variety of different questions. So it'd be nice to get a, a custom answer for whatever it is that listeners are wondering right now. Yeah. Or Aaron, just register for one of my free classes too, because there's tons of them going on all the time. Yeah, that sounds great. So you'll share a link with me and I'll put that in the show notes too, if you want to check out Aaron's free classes as well. For sure. Erin, thank you so much for sharing all of your brilliant wisdom. I think you're an inspiration to so many people. And I have a funny feeling that your DM inbox is going to get filled up after listening to this episode. (laughs) I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. See what I mean? Erin is brilliant. I hope this episode inspired you and helped you to understand the actions that you need to start taking if earning money from your content is something that you would like to be doing in your business. Think about the freedom you would have or the things that you could be doing with a money-making machine running in the background of your life. And please hear Erin's message. Just start. It won't be perfect. You won't have all the questions answered just yet, but by now you probably already know how I feel about the word perfect. And don't forget to head over to today's show notes to get your hands on all the free resources that we mentioned and to get in touch with Erin herself. Visit kellylawson.ca slash 008 for all of that. And Workshop Warriors, I am so grateful for you. And as always, I am so grateful that you hit play on today's episode. Until next week, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you Workshop Warrior, you.